0: Welcome back into another episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. I'm your host, Jacob Sersasimo, and today you're listening on the Believe Network. Can you believe it's been a couple weeks since the Australian Open? I've kind of let it die down a little bit. I apologize if I skipped last week and, you know, someone was looking forward to a podcast, but sometimes after these grand slams, especially after the U.S. Open and the Australian Open, when there's not another huge tournament right behind it, you kind of just let the water calm a little bit, right? There's big waves and there's all this momentum and there's all this energy. And you build up, you build up, you build up. And I kind of just let it calm down a little bit. I got away from the sport of tennis for a little bit. The offseason in tennis is so short. It's unlike a lot of sports, really, when you look at how short the offseason is. So I said, you know what? Let me just have a little time off. Not a lot of time off, but let me just skip one week. Let you know the waves start to ripple again and some tournaments start to happen. And then we'll get back into it. We got a lot to get to today. We're going to get to some tournaments, ones that are going on as we speak and ones that just finished up and then the Davis Cup qualifiers are already underway. So the Davis Cup, I swear it takes the whole year. It starts here in February, ends in September, um, sometimes November. I think it, it's the, the the qualifiers continue in September, I believe, and then the end is in November or something like that. So Davis Cup's wild and we're going to get to that here in a little bit. But Let's get to some tournaments first. How about guys that didn't really make a huge Australian Open push? They got to go play somewhere, right? So they go to France and the ATP 250 in Montpellier. So this tournament was all right. It kind of had a little surprise ending that I didn't see coming. But nevertheless, it was a decent tournament. When you look at the guys that were in this whole Garuna because he was out so early, in the Australian Open had a chance to come play in this tournament. You got guys like Borna Chorich, Felix Ogier, Yasim, Alexander Bublik was a two-seed. So it's not a stacked tournament, but, you know, guys that don't make deep runs in the Aussie Open fly to France, get this one under their belt. Alexander Bublik actually wins this tournament. And what's shocking about this is Alexander Bublik becomes the first man to win an ATP title after losing the first set in every match played from the start of the tournament. Does that make sense? He lost the first set in every match that he played in this tournament. And he still won the tournament. Alexander Bublik, like, I'm not surprised by the stuff he does. Like, he just... He's some, he, he's a really, really good player. He reminds me a lot of Kyrgios without, like, the immense natu- or natural talent that Kyrgios has. But Bublik is, like, really good when he wants to be. Otherwise, he's an entertainer and he can mess around a lot. But when he wants to be really good... He's elite. I'm sorry. He's not elite, but he's really, really good. He beats Borna Chorich in this final. He loses in the first set. Then he goes 6-2, 6-3. And I believe that's his fourth ever title for Alexander Bublik. Uh, not, I was shocked he won this tournament, especially with Hogaruna being in there. Hogaruna is kind of going through some some stuff right now. There has been news out that, you know, he's, he's parted ways with some coaches and they've called it quits. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, It's definitely interesting what's going on with Holger Runa and we'll get into that probably in another episode at some point when maybe he starts to turn things around a little bit, but right now he's really, really struggling. But you look at Alexander Bublick, I believe, like I said, four titles, great run by Bublick to win in France. After the Australian Open, starting on the 5th of February, was the Dallas Open in Dallas, Texas. Now, Tommy Paul beats Marcus Girone. It's an All-American final. Tommy Paul wins this tournament in straight sets he becomes the number two American again he's back in he's in the top 15 he's the number two American right behind Taylor Fritz and he gets his second ever career ATP title Tommy Paul a great win here in Dallas he had to beat Ben Shelton in the semifinals to get here but the Americans showing up in Dallas and that's a good sign for American tennis and really a good sign whenever Tommy Paul can get over that hump because he gets so close so often so when he can get a win like this always promising. This tournament kind of gets overlooked. I think I think it's hard for people to get really behind this tournament simply because of the timing of it in America. It's this first week in February in America, and you know what? You know what that time is. It's the Super Bowl. It's all football. It's the All Star break for. Uh, For hockey, the NBA break, all star break is coming up here in a second. The winter is an extremely hard time for Americans to get on board with tennis and really anything else. The waste management open for golf, live golf is having an event. But if you look at some of these other outlier sports, there's a reason all their big games and big matches and other stuff, tournaments, happen in America when all these other things aren't going on. In March, when you have the, you know, the Masters 1000 swing in America with Miami and Indian Wells. It's kind of a dead period for, you know, it's March Madness, but other than that, it's kind of a dead period as the Stanley Cup playoffs get ready to get played and then the NBA playoffs prepare to get played. But there's no football and football rules all in America. There's no big soccer going on smart. And then you get to August and fans are really starting to get into the, you know, school starting for college football and stuff. That's just my philosophy on why I think, you know, the Dallas Open with these names, like, of course, you'd want to go watch Ben Shelton play Tommy Paul in the semifinals. However, it just gets buried, which is unfortunate. Uh, One thing that happened early on in this week, uh, Sebastian Corda, he got his 100th level tour level win, I should say 100th ATP tour level win. Sebi Corta, an American, and I think he goes a lot under the radar. He seems like a quiet dude. He's not real flashy. He's solid, but he never makes massive runs and like he never wins like enormous matches consistently, right? He just kind of like coasts, I feel. And that's not saying he's bad. I'm just saying he's like a he's like he's an above average professional tennis player but he's not like elite or right under the elite group, if that makes sense. He's like kind of in there somewhere in the mix. Um, that's why I don't think we hear much about him here in America. Everybody wants to hear Ben Shelton, Taylor Fritz, Francis Tiafoe, uh, Tommy Paul. Those are like the big four right now in America. If Opelka gets back to you know healthy and playing well, he can slip in there. And then you got Chris Eubanks who had the big story, and he he jumped in there in the top 30, I believe, for a little bit. But or Sebi Korda just kind of consistently sits there really, really comfortably, I think. Like, if you look at Sebi Korda, I compare him a lot to, like, Karen Hotchinov. They're gonna make impressive runs at some tournaments. They're gonna be, you know, you're not, you're not expecting them to win a grand slam or even make like a huge push to the final. Uh, some Masters, one thousands, you expect them always to get to like a quarterfinal or semifinal. Like I expect him to be in like the fourth round of a major, third to fourth round of a major every single time. But after that, I don't ex, I don't expect uh, much else from him. And that's not a, that's not a dad or like that's not like a a diss at Sebi Korda he's an incredible tennis player but he's just not at that elite level yet you need to make like that huge push in the second week of a grand slam and he's not like the flashiest player so in a social media world or a time where you know people really like the the flashy players or the ones that are really really good he's neither of those and he just kind of I hate to use the word coasts, but he plays really well on a consistent basis. He might be, you know, he's consistently there, but he's never consistently at the top. Or really, he's never consistently at the bottom either. That's my vent on Zebi Corda. It's not really a bad one. I'm just saying... That's that's what I believe about Sebi Korda. And like I said, I love watching him play. I think he's great for tennis. I think he's great for American tennis. He's awesome to watch. He's fun to watch. I put him in that hot category. And I really hope he can do some damage, some real damage at some point because he's 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 awesome to have on the American side for sure. Other tournament going on right now is going to be the one going on in Marseille, France. I think I said that wrong. And I'm not French, you know. Like I don't, I don't know all these French names. Just like if someone came to Missouri, they'd probably sound something, say some things wrong. I'm saying some things wrong in France. Uh, Grigor Dimitrov, the two seed, makes a massive run to the final here, beats some uh, some solid players. Ironically enough, Karen Khachanov he beats him on his way to the final, uh, and then Hugo Humpbear had the tournament. Uh, of not of his life, but had an incredible tournament. He beats Davidovich Falkina in the quarterfinals. In the semis, he beats uh, Hubie Herkoch. And then Hugo Humbert goes on to beat Grigor Dimitrov in the final in straight sets. I believe this is his fourth title since he's been on tour. His career high ranking is number 20th in the world. Right now, he's 20 in the world. I'm not sure. Uh, this might actually be his career career title number five. Uh, his career high rank is 20, his title right, or his rank right now is number 21 in the world, I'm not sure what that'll be affected by the end of this tournament, he might move up, he might go up a few spots, I would expect him to, because of the level that he can, because uh, level he played at, and the points that he got, even though it's not like a huge tournament, but it is an ATP 250, and 250 is points, so you'll take any points you can get, that's what happened in France at the Open 13 province, that's how I'm saying it, province. In America, we pronounce that word province. So that's what I'm going to say it's called. Last tournament going on this week is the Cordoba Open, which is in, I believe it's in Argentina, if I'm not mistaken. Um, not really any massive names in this one. Um, I think Sebastian Baez might be the most notable name. Etcheverry's in this tournament. But in the final, uh, no one's made a real, it's Bagnis and Darderi. Both qualifiers in the final of this one, which is probably why I haven't heard a whole lot about it. Not, I'm not dissing these guys. I'm just saying. Uh, tournaments, when they have guys that no one's ever really heard of make it to the final, typically they don't get a whole lot of traction when it comes to um, audience and eyes in the world. That tournament is in Argentina. Coming up, there's a tournament in the Netherlands that's an ATP 500, so you mu- you're going to get more people, I think, to play in this because it is an ATP 500, so you're going to get more interest. Then the Del Rey Open back here in America is happening this next week. Uh, There's another one in Buenos Aires, Argentina. That's happening this next week, and then after that, they go to Rio for an ATP 500. Then they start ramping up, getting closer to March. They pretty much uh, coast through the rest of February, 250s and 500s, but then when you get to March, it's a BNP Paribas Open at Indian Wells, and then the Miami Open that is uh, at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. So, March is a huge month for Masters 1000s and it's really the time after the Australian Open where everyone kind of gets back, right? They all kind of get back into playing. So, that is happening here in probably two and a half, three weeks, I think. Everybody will get Yeah, that starts on March 6th. So, yeah, it's coming up here. It's going to be about in a th- three weeks, I believe, three weeks and some change and Everybody will be in America. These always get good turnout. The biggest players in the world always come here. You've heard me talk about them a thousand times, but those tournaments are really good. The Davis Cup, like I said, starts in February, and then it goes again in uh, September, and then the finals are in November. And here are the teams that have qualified for the group stage, the Davis Cup finals group stage, Argentina, Belgium, Brazil, Canada, Chile, Czechia, Finland, France, Germany, Netherlands, Slovakia, and USA. They will join the 2023 finalists, Australia and Italy, and the two wild cards in Great Britain and Spain in the 16-nation lineup in the Davis Cup Finals group stage, which is September 10th through the 15th. That's always after the U.S. Open, so that's always like really good tennis because a lot of those guys are playing really, really well, and they want to make it to the finals that are in November. If you heard your country there, that's good. The United States is in there, which is massive. They should be in there every year with the amount of talent they're pumping out here. Canada is going to be a threat. I believe Italy is always a threat. Australia is always really, really good. And then great Britain and Spain are always really, really good. And those are the teams that, you know, we're, we're kind of already in there. And, uh, yeah, Australia, Italy, great Britain and Spain. So that's, what's happened in the Davis cup. That's kind of the things that are going on in the world of tennis right now. We're going to get to a little bit of news and then we're going to get out of here. Uh, there's there's kind of a lot of like smaller things that happened over the last few weeks. We're just going to get to some big ones here, and we'll get out of here. This is one of the more interesting ones. John Wartime, he is with uh, SI.com, said, uh, The Saudi the Saudi Severin Wealth Fund is about to buy ATP Tour ranking system that were the Pepperstone um, or the Godspeed for five years. Uh, watch for announcements at the BNP Paribas Open. This is interesting. Um it's like a sponsorship thing, and it looks it was pepper it was pepperstone for a while. So the fact that the Saudis are getting involved, I think things could start getting a little dicey. I don't know what's gonna happen. You saw you've seen what happened in golf and the craziness that happened in golf. I'm not really sure what's gonna happen in tennis. Um, I'm just kind of sitting along for the ride. I'm a little nervous to what could happen with tennis because I think a lot of tennis people are traditionalists. Um, not in a bad way, but with what Roger and Rafa and Novak have done to build the sport, um, everyone's looking for the new one of those guys, right? And it's kind of like everyone's looking for like the new Tiger Woods to be like enormous and really, really good, and Saudi kind of came in there, not ruined it, but made it a little bit more difficult and a little bit more dramatic. So, don't know what this means, don't have a ton of opinions on it, but We'll see what happens. There's a few other pieces of news, but I think I'll just wait for those next week after I read up on them a little bit more and know a little bit more about them. But that's pretty much what's happening right now after the Australian Open. Like I said, not a whole ton happening, but uh, there's a couple little tournaments. Bublik with a win. Uh, Tommy Paul and Giron playing in the finals in Dallas, and then you know obviously some other some other stuff going on. Last little bit of news. Sorry, I'm going to say this, and then we'll get out of here. Elena Svitolina is officially back in the top 20 at number 19 for the first time since March of 2022. It's only been 10 months since she made her return to tennis. That was after she was having a baby with Gael Monfils. Uh, this would be really impressive for anyone, let alone someone who had a baby 15 months, months ago. We're going to end today on a happy note. Thanks for listening. Impressive stuff from Svitolina. Have a great week after the Super Bowl. It's been a crazy week leading up to the Super Bowl. So have a great week post Super Bowl. Some tennis, more tennis is right around the corner. See you later.